Welcome to this episode of the Texas Tech edition of the Heartland College Sports Podcast Network. I'm your host, Jackson Moody. Not the happiest of episodes, so Texas Tech lost Saturday on the road to UCF, but the big talking point, this loss to Texas at home, 81-69, and boy, I'll tell you what, it felt a lot worse than that. We'll talk about what went wrong in the game. Obviously, the Brock Cunningham situation, stuff getting thrown on the floor. We'll talk about that as well. We'll also talk a little bit baseball and some new college football playoff proposals. Well, if you can, go ahead and give us a five-star review. Leave a rating if you do and send an email with a picture of the review. You'll get a free Heartland College Sports koozie in the mail. Just send it to jacksonmoody37 at gmail.com. But... We got to talk about the game, and this was, I guess I'd say that I've been watching Tech basketball closely for eight years now, since Beard's first year when I was a freshman. This was the weirdest game in Lubbock I have ever seen, quite honestly. For To have the students camping out before this, and to put up an absolute dud of a performance, I mean... It was a dud. This game, it was like 14-4 early. You were down 47-23 at half. There was just nothing going on. 47 points given up in the first 20 minutes. And now, the first half, it really tells... I mean, you played better in the second half really after the Brock Cunningham incident, but the game was over then. The game was over. There was no Iowa State comeback from last year happening here today. The game was over pretty much with five minutes to go in that second half, or in that first half. And size definitely hurt. So you didn't have Warren Washington. You got Chance McMillan back, which credit to him, he gave you 33 minutes in his first game back. He got t- he scored 10 points, was only one of four from three. He's really going through a bit of a slump from three right now. Got nine boards for you, at least including three on the offensive end. But Pop Isaacs. And we have to talk about this now because his game has come a long way to where he can't, when he's not hitting from three, he can get something off the dribble, dribble, get to the free throw line. He can, he can pass for other players, distribute, but in this game, he was 0 for 10 in the first half. And I'm sure he'll be better with Warren Washington back in because you can have Warren Washington distribute to him and pop just cut to the basket if Warren comes back soon, but 0 for 10 in the first half, and he was still taking some contested threes, and I mean, there was one point where he took a three at the top of the key, I think it was the UCF game, it was his third one of the game, and you're looking at that, and as soon as he misses a wide open three, it's like, okay, I don't have a problem with him taking that shot, he should take that shot anytime he gets it, if he's open from three. But when you're not hitting those, you can't be taking these contested shots. You can't be taking these deep shots. I'm sorry. If you want one positive from today, he finally got going a bit in the second half. He went 0 for 10 in the first half, and there was one play that he just threw it up, and it hit the bottom of the rim. Uh, but he was 5 for 8 in the second half, so I maybe that's some improvement. He had 17 points overall. Darian Williams continues to be your best player on this team in 35 minutes. I mean, if you lose Darian Williams, your season's done. And I'm going to get to the Brock Cunningham situation coming up here. But he was 4 of 9, 2 of 3 from 3. He had a total of 8 boards. 
he had two steals for you. He really is your best player on this team, and he has been for some time. I said coming into Big 12 play, I was really excited for him. I thought that he'd take some time to adjust, but, man, it, he has not taken long to adjust. He's been really good. Robert Jennings, he started for you 20 minutes. He he had a disaster of a performance. He got four boards, but, man, he turned the ball over twice, and they were weak turnovers to get up, give up. And I don't want to give him too much crap on the defensive end because Dylan Disu is just one of the best players in the Big 12. I mean, this guy's what, almost seven feet tall? I, he, I watched him in Kansas City last year at the Big 12 championship game, and he was the best player on the floor over Grady Dick, over Jalen Wilson by far. He had 21 points in this one, 9 of 16 from the field. Another big performer for te- Texas was, man, it, when you look at the guys that Texas has down low, it makes sense why you got pushed around in this game, and the personnel just completely favored Texas. If you have Warren Washington in, I think it is a different game. I I think that changes a lot of what you do. But you look at the size for Texas. They had Dylan Mitchell get 22 minutes. He only scored two points. I mean, they have Dylan Mitchell scoring two points and are still blowing you out and putting up 81. But then you have Kyle Shedrick coming off the bench, only getting eight minutes, going five of six from the field, putting up 10 points in eight minutes. Of course, you have Brock Cunningham being a thug out there. But then their guard play. Max A. Smith, he's their primary ball handler. He, was, he wasn't overly efficient. They shot over 60% in the first half in this one. But he was 5 of 15. He had some threes that just killed you. He was 4 of 12 from three, which isn't great. But he hit four free throws, had 18 points overall for you. The one guy I want to point out that I actually, and it's weird saying this about any Texas player, and it's a guy that Texas Tech tried to get in the portal out of UTA last year. Kendall Weaver, I know everybody makes fun of his hair. I know, he's not the most attractive player out there. But this guy really, to give credit where it's due, Kendall Weaver turned Texas' season around. He was getting almost no time before that game against Baylor. I remember in that game against Baylor, he made several hustle plays to save them. He does have skill, but really what what makes him go is just his engine and his work rate. He had 15 points and 8 boards for you. He was... Or sorry, yeah, 15 points and eight boards for Texas. He is a workhorse. He is the type of guy, the type of scrappy player you would love on your team. Don't give me the Brock Cunningham's just a scrappy player. It's ridiculous when people say that. And you have an example of an actually scrappy player on Texas's roster. But other than that, Kyron Lindsay only gets two minutes. I I know that he's not great defensively, but man, I. For him to have a great game and they only get two minutes in this one, and I only I believe he only got in for two possessions against UCF, where he turns the ball over, they immediately send somebody to sub in, then the next possession he's out of the game. For good, doesn't come back. I, I don't understand why Kyron Lindsay didn't get some minutes. I get that he gets cooked defensively, but man, I, I would have liked to see something different. Would have really liked to see something different. Now, you went really small at the end of the game. The game was in hand at this point, but the last eight minutes, you did make a run to make it look semi-respectable. This was not a respectable game. This was a beatdown on your home floor in front of a sold-out crowd. Uh, But you did go small with a very small lineup. You had no—I mean, 
they list Darian Williams as a guard. I've always thought he was a forward, but he was your only forward slash center in the game at the end. And you did kind of make a run there, which could tell you something about how you need to play against West Virginia. The only concern is if Pop Isaacs is still slumping, if Chance McMillan's only hitting one of four from three, and he's not ineffective. He got nine boards for you. But if he's only one of four from three, I'm not sure how well that small ball lineup's going to work, especially with Pop slumping, with Joe Toussaint going three of ten from the field, O of two from three, and Kerwin Walton. Man, you know what? He is one of the best three-point shooters in the nation. He went two of four from three, but two of but he missed all of his twos. He had no rebounds. He got 34 minutes in this game, got no rebounds. You have Kendall Weaver about the same size as Kerwin Walton getting 31 minutes and getting eight boards for Texas. I mean, you have got to get more off-ball production from Kerwin Walton. You, it, he has been a huge piece for you. But right now, you are nearing must-win territory if you're Texas Tech. You have got to get more off the ball, more rebounds from Kerwin Walton. So, overall, Texas Tech played bad. They just came out flat. It was shocking to see that type of performance in the first half. There was a spark at the end, and now that we've established, Texas Tech is at fault for this loss, 100%. It was a terrible performance, and you're moving into must-win territory now. you got to get one more. You have two road games, one in West Virginia, where you may have a bad matchup with Jesse Edwards going up against maybe if you don't have Warren Washington back. That could be a brutal matchup for you. After that, you go to Stillwater, which I think is going to feel kind of like a neutral side game because I don't think there's going to be many OSU fans there. But still, a OSU team that is getting better as the season goes along, and then you get Baylor at home. You got to get one of those three, and we're going to talk about those coming up. But we got to talk about the Brock Cunningham situation. So, full credit to everybody else on Texas: Rodney Terry, Max Aismas, uh Dylan Disu, and Kendall Weaver. They just beat you, Brock Cunningham. That check on Darian Williams was. I mean, it was a flat-out dirty play by a dirty player who's in his 29th year of college basketball, should be working at at Enterprise Rent-A-Car. And there are so many things about this that just tell you about just, just how much of a coward this guy is. And we've known he plays dirty. We know that he's a dirty player. He's not a scrappy player. He's a dirty player. I'm sorry, Doug Gottlieb after was quote tweeting saying Brock Cunningham could play for me anytime. Yeah, I, I know a guy who had no skill either and was convicted of uh, stealing credit cards and kicked out of college. He wants to stick with the thug on the court. But Brock Cunningham, he makes absolutely no attempt at this ball. No attempt at this ball whatsoever. And the worst thing is the game's out of reach at this point. The game's pretty much over. And I know Texas fans said, well, Darian Williams elbowed Max A. Smith earlier. Come on. Max Amos, Asmus did get an elbow to the face earlier in the game. It was not intentional. It was a basketball play. He stepped up to try to make a, take a charge. He stepped up late. Darian's elbow was already going up. He was going for a shot. That's what happens. You understand that if you ever get elbowed in a basketball game. That Yes, there's some of them that are dirty. That one was not a dirty elbow by any means. That's just a play in the game. Glad Max Asmus was all right. But this Brock Cunningham situation, he goes and literally checks Darion Williams 
into the scores table or TV table, whatever that one on the other end is. And then immediately after that, he turns around from him, puts his arms up and walks over to the ref to protect himself. I mean, come on. That is just ridiculous. You throw a dirty cheap shot and then you go running to the refs. And then after you're shocked, you're yelling at the crowd, trying to taunt them. Look, the people throwing stuff on the floor were idiots. The refs did their job. They immediately called a flagrant on that. Went back to review it, called a flagrant too. I wish he wouldn't have been ejected. I wish he had to stay in the game and you could have thrown somebody out there to go break his nose, quite honestly, because he would have deserved it. Somebody, and credit to Joe Toussaint, he was the first one there. Hey, he looked like he was actually ready to fight. I wish that somebody would have actually taken a swing at Brock Cunningham. I get why you don't, because that's a suspension and you can't afford to lose guys, but somebody should have taken a swing at him. That was a dirty play with intent to injure somebody, was not a basketball play, should land him a suspension. I think the best case scenario would actually be he doesn't get suspended. You see him in Kansas City, you send your walk-on Jack Francis out there, tell him, hey, uh, you're on Brock Cunningham, you better be the first one back in the locker room. Hey, you do something to get kicked out of this game and do something to maybe end Brock Cunningham's season because he just tried to do that to one of our guys. I mean, I'm sorry. There's a reason that you have an enforcer in hockey. There's a reason you throw at guys in baseball. You have to protect your players. Somebody should have taken a swing at Brock Cunningham. And if you see him down the line, I don't think we will. I don't think Grant McCasson will do this. But I think that he should send somebody out there with the sole intention of getting even on Brock Cunningham. And let's be real about what he did with this. Brock Cunningham, he threw Darian Williams into the boards. If you don't have Warren Washington with Cambridge out, if Darion Williams goes down too, the season's over. The season's over. Okay? It's good Darion was okay. And thank God for that. But that play by Brock Cunningham was a dirty, thuggish play. And, and he's a coward. He wasn't willing to own up to it. He's not willing to actually get in a fight. He's willing to take cheap shots when the guy's not looking. And then whine to the refs about it. He's a dirty player. He comes from the richest place in Texas. He went to Westlake High School, one of the richest high schools in Texas. He's willing to go be a thug out there. He has no skill, and he's not willing to go back it up. I mean, it is just a complete cowardly move by him. Absolute cowardly move. It's Bush League. If you want to look at a scrappy player on Texas, you can look at Kendall Weaver. If he goes over the line by a little bit, you understand he's playing hard. Brock Cunningham, he's just a straight-up dirty player. There's no excuse. And if you get them in KC, you should go and take him out. You should take that guy out. And, yes, obviously don't hurt your team by having one of your starters do that. But throw throw on Jack Francis. Throw on Demarion Williams. Tell him to go take Brock out. Tell him to take him out. Be the first one in the locker room. Make, make them decide if they even want to play Brock against you. Honestly, you take Brock Cunningham out, you get revenge. Texas probably gets better as a basketball team because they don't have that, that unskilled, dirty son of a gun over there. But, yeah, if you get them again, you got to take that guy out. I, I'm sorry. I, I know you're not supposed to call for violence against student athletes. I feel like the office. No, no, not fire anyone. Anthony Gardner, no. Obviously, you don't retaliate against Max A. Smith. Go take a cheap shot on him for what Brock Cunningham did. But if you see him again, you got to take a cheap shot. By the way, Brock Cunningham was saying thanks for the memories. He's 4-9 and nine in his career against Texas Tech. So, I, great memories for him. He got his butt whooped by Texas Tech a ton. 
And then the last time when he knows that he probably won't ever have to see them again, goes, takes a cheap shot and gets tossed from the game when a guy's, I, I mean, it's, it's just ridiculous. He should get suspended for that one. He should absolutely be suspended. And throwing stuff on the floor was stupid. It's a terrible look. It's ridiculous that people did that. The refs did their job in that situation. The throwing things in the tunnel at Brock Cunningham as he's walking out, that one's hard to condemn. That one's hard to condemn. He he had it coming. But uh, you have West Virginia coming up this week. That will be at 5 p.m. Central Time in West Virginia. That one's actually on ESPN, too. I cannot believe. I know they scheduled these games pretty far out, and Texas Tech has gotten better. Uh, so it makes sense Texas Tech could draw at least from a week ago, draw a ESPN2 game. But, man, I'm not sure how they came up with this before the year that we're going to put West Virginia and Texas Tech on ESPN2. But that's going to be a huge game for Texas Tech. West Virginia continuing to get better. I mean, they look, I, I know it's weird to say this about a team who's lost six of their last seven and eight of their last ten. But they did beat UCF at home. They gave Iowa State some fits and aims, and Iowa State is just a really good basketball team. And then they came back from, what was it? Uh, Let me see. It was 22 points down at half. They outscored K-State 53-31, had a chance to win the game at the end, ended up losing in overtime on the road. But West Virginia, what they do, they're going to be a tough matchup for you. Uh, Just going through some of their guys, obviously, uh, Jesse Edwards coming back was huge for them. He's going to be a force down low. Now, I will say against Kansas State, he did not have a great game. He was only one of nine from the field. But you have Raekwon Battle, who is their main scorer. He had 28 points against K-State. Kirk Kreese, he came from Arizona. He's a point guard. He's not known for his shooting by any means. Uh, Normally, he takes single-digit shots in a game. Actually, the... There was one, two, three, four, five straight games where he took single-digit shots, some of them taking four shots a game. And then he puts up 20 shots, has 25 points for West Virginia, went five of 12 from three. Uh, So there's going to be some tough matchups. You're going to need your guards to step up. I do kind of feel okay about the matchup with Raekwon Battle. Maybe if you put Darion Williams, if Warren Washington's back, this is a game you should win. It's a game you need to win because one more win locks you into the tournament. Probably avoids the first four. I still think if you lose out, you go to the first four, but one more win would lock you in. You have got to get this one. You do not want to go and face Oklahoma State with the season on the line because then if you lose that one, you're playing for it all against Baylor, and that is a tough matchup. Uh, Just looking at results around the Big 12 this week, Baylor beat TCU. TCU looked terrible, quite frankly, for the entire game. Baylor looked terrible in the first half. K-State, 94-90. Uh, Houston beat Cincinnati. Cincinnati actually gave them a game. It was 67-59, probably not as close as that score indicated. Iowa State pulled it out against OU, 58-45. Oklahoma State lost another close one to UCF, 77-71. The only other result... And why it is important with what I'm saying for top four. BYU did you a solid. So now you're tied with BYU and TCU. BYU did you a huge solid with a 76-68 win over Kansas. And I think Kansas is vulnerable. This is why that's big. You're one game back 
of Baylor and Kansas. You're tied with BYU. You have the tiebreaker there. You're tied with TCU. You're one and one against them. Kansas plays Baylor this week. One of those teams is going to drop. You can go back into a tie with them. And if it's Kansas that drops the game, you would be sitting with a really good chance at winning the tiebreaker to be the four seed. Kansas also still has to go to Houston. Baylor has to come to Tech. It probably takes 3-0 for Texas Tech to get a top four seed, but 3-0 would almost certainly give you a top four seed at this point in the season. That is the one silver lining from this week for Texas Tech. Again, you got to beat West Virginia, ensure yourself an NCAA tournament berth, and then you, if you can do that, you go into the last two games really having a good chance of finishing top four. Now, for baseball, and we won't talk much about this one because, quite frankly, this was... I mean, Texas Tech did their job. They beat Texas Southern, who won over 30 games last season. But uh, you set a school record on Friday, winning 32-5. to uh, Drew Woodcox and Landon or Stripling both had two runs apiece for you in that one. Kyle Robinson had a tough go of it in the first inning and then really settled down gotcha i believe either five or six good innings i only watched really the first five of that one but he was very solid after the first inning on you'll win day two 20 to four zane petty kind of struggled he kind of got in a groove got pulled with two outs in the fourth i believe where you had a man on second and and third and then Ryan Free came in, got you out of the jam. You win that one, twenty to four. You you actually were down three nothing at the bottom of the third or bottom of the fourth. I'm sorry, and then you put up ten runs and you just put it on them. It was actually funny. Drew Woodcox got the first out in that inning, grounded out, and then he comes back up to hit, and they were two outs away with nobody on from holding it on to three zero lead. And then they go down, go to the next inning, down seven. You finish it off 16-5 to five in seven innings against Texas Southern. Just want to take a look at this one. Jack Washburn, your Sunday starter. I think Jack Washburn could be exactly what you need as a Sunday starter. He got four and a third. He gave up four earned runs, which is not good. But it's his first, his second game back in two years, so... If Jack Washburn can give you four innings pretty good, allow one or two runs in four innings with, I, I believe, a much improved bullpen and Max Hauer uh, got in there, gave up one earned run in two innings. Josh Sanders got two outs for you, only gave up one hit on Sunday. I think your bullpen's much improved. I think Kyle Robinson's coming into form. The thing to watch this weekend against Gardner-Webb, if Zane Petty is the Saturday starter, is... It's been two tough starts in a row for him. Two tough starts in a row for him. And the Saturday starter is going to have more pressure. You're going to need to go a little bit deeper on Saturday than you need to on Sunday. You really need to see a decent performance out of Zane Petty. Because Texas and the Big 12 opener, and God, playing Texas again for the last time, this is uh, does not make me feel good how the last two games have gone. But um, you get Texas next weekend, so you really want to see a good performance out of Zane Petty on Saturday. I think that's my biggest thing to watch. You have so much depth. I mean, in the lineup, lineup wise, you're talking about Davis Rivers got some run this weekend. Uh, not Austin Maxey. I said that all at last year. Dylan Maxey, 
uh, got a game on Saturday at catcher. Kevin Bazell seems like a really good catcher. Then at third base, you have Cade McGee over there. TJ Pompey, who has been great for you so far this season. You have Tracer Lopez, who was your starting shortstop all of last year, playing second base. Then Gavin Cash at first. You also have Stripling in there. You you feel good about your outfield. You have Bravo. You have Green. You have Washburn. You have Harrelson. And then you even have a fifth guy, Andrew Woodcox, who is getting hits for you. So got to feel good there. Now, last moment or last thing is the college football playoff. So they're talking about expanding it to 14 teams, which would give three auto bids to Big Ten and SEC schools and two for the Big 12 and ACC, which, quite frankly, there should not be any auto bids if you don't win your conference. And what would be the point of these conference championship games if it's not for the auto bid? Yes, I I think mo- a lot of years... Probably most years the Big 12 will get two teams in, and they deserve it. But what's the point of the Big 12 championship game if it's not for an auto bid? Like, I like the auto bid thing because it adds meaning to the Big 12 championship game. It adds a ton of meaning to winning your conference. I'm sorry, but if you're the third best Big 10 team and it's a down year, you don't deserve to be in the playoff. You don't. If you're the second best Big 12 school, and you're Oklahoma State this past season. You came into the Big 12 championship game ranked, what, 16th? You don't deserve to be in. It doesn't need to be 14 teams. It's perfect with 12. That's exactly what it should be. And if you're going to expand it any further, keep it at one auto bid per conference. Please just keep it at that. Just do that. Keep it at one auto bid per conference. Make the conference championship games mean something because, quite frankly, Most Big 12 schools won't be competing for national titles, but they can compete for Big 12 titles, and it adds just a lot more meaning when there's an auto bid involved. That's going to do it for this one. We have West Virginia at 5 p.m. on Saturday trying to erase that embarrassing performance against Texas. And some good news, if you can go get two road wins against the two worst teams in the Big 12, you are right back in that top four race, and quite frankly, This game against Texas won't all be forgotten, but it will sting a lot less.